Alright, good evening. Welcome to uh, midweek service. Yes. And um, the message uh, for today is just grace, abide in it. And we're going to look at uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. I'm just going to read that briefly. And uh, we'll have other scriptures and um, kind of share um, some personal experiences on that. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it's a famous verse that a lot of people are aware of and set their theological background on it. It says, For grace we have um, that we have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. There's so much to unpack in that. There's salvation, there's faith, not our own doing, and of course there's the gift of God. But all that is prefaced by the word um, grace, the grace experience. Um, I recall hearing about an international missionary, and he was sharing in a public setting saying, um, I don't remember my conversion experience because I was so young um, when I became a believer. But what I will never forget is my grace experience. Um, later on, he what he was expounding on is that he wasn't looking at grace as just a theology concept, but he was looking at grace as a uh, life reality. And switching gears, uh, I started to think personally, I thought, I, I think I understand grace. I've been a believer for a while. I um, exercise grace to a lot of people here at church, people at home, uh, people at work, clients, and so forth. Um, however, my um, greatest struggle is not giving grace um, to myself. Um, I don't know if you're like me, but I have a tendency to beat myself up for not doing enough. Um, so I'm going to invite you in into my daily life, my thought life, so you can understand where I'm going with this. <clears throat> For example, Aneda's cousins, um, I conducted their wedding a while back, and um, they recently had a baby. And, you know, uh, I want to be part of that. I want to celebrate. I want to uh, support that. Um, and you know how long it's been since I actually met this baby? I haven't met this baby. It's been a year. A year. Okay? That's bad. <laughs> And uh, I felt bad because this past Saturday, uh, when we had the makers and skills, was his birthday. And I still haven't seen him. His name's Julian. Uh, on, a, on a deeper note, um, I have one of my coworkers who's a window technician, hard worker in his 40s, has uh, a couple children married. Um, he started get, developing bruises. And was really tired, so they took him to the hospital, and they found out that he had leukemia. Um, <clears throat> and this was shared with the, the entire company two weeks ago, and I still haven't visited him. He's over at the Kaiser in Anaheim. I have an aunt that's 94 years old. She's old, she's frail. Um, about ready to go home. And many of my peers and family members was encouraging me to go see her, 
and you know, because her day, she's on her last days, and I still haven't visited her yet. I drive by Pico Rivera all the time, and I still haven't had a chance to stop by. And lastly, um, I have a neighbor by the name of Ruth, uh, where her husband recently died in a car accident, um, left several children. And uh, two days after the accident, um, uh, Aneda was able to approach to see how she's doing. And um, she called me over to share with me. I was shocked and wanted me to pray over her. And I did. And, you know, you can kind of relate. My, my prayer, I, just, I was so shocked. My prayer was just kind of, how can I say this? Half-hearted? You know what I'm saying? I, I didn't, it wasn't like a spirit-filled. So... And this is about 10 days ago, and uh, still to this day, our neighbor, I haven't done much. So you could understand as a neighbor I failed, as a, as a nephew I failed, as a co-worker I failed, as a cousin I failed, um, as a father I could share with you stories, as a father I failed, as a husband I failed, as an elder I failed. And these thoughts of guilt go through my mind, I replay over and over again, why didn't I do enough? If I could redo it, why didn't I do enough? As I was mentioning, the title of today's message is Just Grace and Abide in It. Let's pray. Father, um, thank you so much for your grace. As we would look, uh, kind of the, the, the heart of grace uh, today, God, and not getting too much uh, in, in the mind, but mainly towards the heart. Um, and I just pray, Father, that as you've helped me prepare for this, that this is a message for myself at times. Um, understanding that we enjoy your grace of salvation for us as believers, as children of God. And um, you've certainly allowed us to have grace upon others. But I know, Father, as I'm talking to the church, give us insights to have grace upon ourselves. So just be with us tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. So grace, is, it's simple, uh, it's, a, it's a simple concept, but it has a lot of complexities to that. Um, if you look at the great, if you look at great theologians from the fourth century, like Augusta of Hippo, he quoted this about grace, it says, um, what is grace? Um, I know until you ask me, but until you ask me, I don't know, <laughs> you know. Um, so where do we start with grace? Where's a good starting point? And many times people think, let's go to theology books. That's not a bad idea. However, sometimes theologians and intellectual scholars, um, they normally divide up grace in so many different categories. Uh, like Pastor Chris was sharing a couple of weeks ago about common grace, how the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Um, you look at uh, prevenient grace, you look at habitual grace, uh, substantial grace, actual grace, external grace, irresistible grace, the doctrine of grace, or the extreme view of hyper-grace, where all sins, past, present, and future, has been forgiven, so no need for a believer uh, to even confess it. By the way, I'm not in that camp. <laughs> so, But you can understand that sometimes grace could seem... Um, uh, mechanical and complex, um, and it doesn't address 
the personal. So our focus tonight is we're going to look at the personal and just focus just on uh, grace. Um, the late Pastor Chuck Smith uh, wrote a book called uh, Why Grace Changes Everything. And he defined it as a noun saying, grace is being accepted uh, by God even though I do not deserve it, even though I am not worthy of it. That was good. Um, in regarding grace, what I'm learning is that grace is deep and personal. What I what what I believe is that what grace is is that it's how God feels about us. I'm not into like feelings or anything like that, but it's important to understand where how God feels about us. Um, so if if we um, look at grace um, today to understand it today, we have to understand what the original writers of the New Testament, uh, their thought process when they're sharing about what grace is. Um, The ancient word, some of you guys know, the ancient word for grace is charis. Charis. And um, what's different about charis, it has um, a variety of, um, it's, it's, it has a, a variety in, in its definition. But the root word of charis is beauty. And um, that's where they stem from the words like charisma. Um, you know, you meet those people that come into a room that has that's very charismatic, uh, that like, you know, owns the room. I mean, I think of David. He, he like owns the room. <laughs> Every room that he walks into, he like owns it. So he has a lot of charisma. He has, um, <clears throat> I think of him, or, or even like a, a Kathy Winchie, maybe because she's tall, but I don't know. <laughs> but if uh, there are four elements with charis, and uh, the first thing is that charis is something that brings you happiness, joy, or it actually awakens uh, pleasure. Um, so if you look in the ancient times, uh, they were entertained a lot by um, chariot racing. And usually the, the one that raced gave you a lot of pleasure or charis at that time. If we fast forward even today's world, um, you know, you see people on television wearing a cheese on their head and painting their bodies because their team is winning. There's a lot of charis. Um, we look at the other side. If um, this past or this past week, where the Dodgers lost to the Padres, several people at this church doesn't have much cars. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm with you. The Raiders started off 0 and 3. I had no cars, <laughs> you know. But fortunately, one on Sundays, two and four, a little bit of cars. You guys get my point. So there's a sense of joy and happiness when we're thinking of cars. The second thing to look at of, of cars is um, it's something that's beautiful. And it's not necessarily appearance beautiful, but just beauty in the point where it's full of grace. Um, so it, it's if you can imagine um, like a dancer um, or an athlete or even a musician, uh, someone that's elegant and you don't see many flaws, um, I, I think of like when when Bob plays the piano, he like closes his eyes and it's just like, it's so beautiful. I mean, 
it, it's like, oh, <laughs> I'm like sitting in the concert, you know, and he's just like, he's practicing as I'm laying out tail. I'm like, that is amazing. It's, it's Karis. Um, the third element of Karis is that it's a supernatural power and help, uh, almost like an aid. It's almost like a, if I can imagine, it's like a, a mystical power uh, that goodness inspires um, others. Um, so it's like an active expression of unselfishness. Uh, but usually that type is normally for peers. So I mentioned about my coworker Jesse. Uh, we ha- I have a very generous boss. His name's Scott. Unfortunately, he is uh, agnostic. Working on that. And um, so, what he when he found out about Jesse, um, he did a couple things. Number one, he uh, told him and his family that he will pay for his insurance until his health insurance until he's you know until he's well, which. I thought that was pretty awesome. In addition to that, he pooled all the employees. We didn't have that many. A lot of them were blue-collar workers. And asked them to donate uh, to give to him. And what he did is, as everyone gave a few here or there, as much as they possibly could because he has no income uh, outside of his wife. And he brought it to them last Thursday, and he doubled it. And um, Scott was showing more caris than I am. You know what I mean? Um but that's that's what that meant as far as like supernatural power and help and aid. And then the th- the fourth type, the fourth element of Karis is an undeserving kindness, and uh, it's like an unexpected gift or favor. And I think about City Bible Church um, this past Saturday of the Makers and Skills Workshop and Labor. Um, there was close to forty people that actually took the time. On a Saturday, took their sometimes their only day off, or sometimes some of them worked that day, but chose to take the day off um, to go over, drive an hour and a half hour and a, over there. Um, wouldn't get paid, didn't get recognized, couldn't take pictures, couldn't post anything. Um, that is an undeserving kindness that this church that I'm very proud of representing that you showed. Karis, you showed grace to a lot of those moms and a lot of those kids on that. Um, so with that in mind, if we look at this particular scripture, um, we start to think, how, do, how important is grace to Paul? If you study every single one of his letters, not only does it start, but it also ends with the word grace. Um, if there is no grace, there is no gospel, right? Now, as a lot of us have been a believer for a while, and uh, we've been preached at or taught normally the three-word defi- three definition of grace. Uh, it's kind of cliche, but it's a good starting point. What is grace? You hear it? God's unmerited favor. God's unmerited favor. So I wanted for this evening is to break that down as far as God's unmerited favor um, to have you feel what grace is. Number one, it's God's. It's his. Um, It belongs, grace belongs to him. 
Uh, actually, it's his, it's his um, character. It's actually who he is. If you look at the Old Testament, um, grace is mentioned six times. And in this particular verse of um, Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, he's talking about Moses, and he shares this. He said, And the Lord passes before him, before Moses, and proclaimed, and he was actually proclaiming through a cloud. You may have heard of the term the Shekinah glory. Uh, so, um, so through this cloud, a voice was speaking. So the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, or Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful, here it is, and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and faithfulness. Now this was not just a lecture of God's character. It was an emotional experience that tied to the word and the person of who God is. You look at that list, that's exactly what God is. He's merciful, he's slow to anger, he's abounding, he's steadfast, love, he's faithfulness, and of course, he's gracious. All throughout scripture, it talks about God of the Old Testament is gracious. If we look at the New Testament, <laughs> grace is mentioned 112 times. And a lot of you know in John chapter 1, verse 14, where it talks about the Word. And it says, John chapter 1, verse 14 says, the, And the Word came, became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, and glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So who is the Word? It's Jesus. Jesus embodies the very word of grace. Um, Jesus is beautiful, is joyous, is powerful, is kindness. He embodies that. So God, um, so the second aspect is unmerited. Unmerited, of course, means undeserved. So if a person works 8 to 12 hours, they should receive a wage of 8 to 12 hours, unless you're in commission sales like myself. <laughs> um, if a uh, competitor competes and ends up winning against their opponent, they should receive some sort of reward or trophy. Someone that's not capable of earning uh, a wage or doesn't have a chance of actually winning or competing, um, yet they still receive a prize. That's exactly what unmerited, undeserving is. Um, so sometimes you would think, okay, I, 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 I get it, I get it. Um, so, but what if, if an unmerited, um, person plans on being good or promises to be obedient or, um, is working on being holy? Um, it doesn't matter. Grace, um, is only found, here it is, in the giver and not the receiver. Okay, it's all about the giver, has nothing to do about the receiver at all. Okay, um, Romans eleven six says, but if by grace it is no longer on the basis of works, otherwise grace would no longer be grace. Grace cannot be earned. Grace doesn't care um, 
if you or if you deserve you and I deserve it or not. It's his reasoning it has nothing to do with us. And then the third word of our um, definition of grace is it's God's, it's unmerited, and then finally it's favor. Favor is how God sees and feels about us. It's sort of like someone's you're, you're favorable in someone's eyes. Uh, an obedient child um, is favorable in the parents' eyes. Um, if you want to earn a politician's favor, you have to pony up some money, <laughs> you know, unfortunately. And that's just how the world works. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Um, but God's standard is so different, you know. Um, <clears throat> we don't deserve God's favor, do we? As we've been learning through uh, Romans that all have sinned and we all have fallen short. But I wanted to take this personal. I wanted to, to make it impressionable on you. Um, do you have someone in your life that you have to love, but you don't necessarily like? We all do, don't we? We have that family member, that cousin, right? We have that coworker, that neighbor. And dare I may even say, someone at church. We have to love that person, but we don't necessarily have to like them, okay? We're not going to say any names, of course, but I know you're all thinking about it. <laughs> At any rate, um, Romans tells us if it is all possible to live at peace with all, okay? Um, so I don't want to simplify this next statement that I want to make, um, but I want it to hit home so that it, it's something that you understand that at least you could take home. God just doesn't love you. And a lot of times people keep it at that and they, they, they park there. God doesn't just love you. He likes you. God doesn't just love you. He likes you. He doesn't love you just like a, a family member has to love this particular person. No, he likes you as well. How do I know? Scripture tells us. Um, and I'll personalize this. So that, um, um, so we'll hit home. For example, Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 through 26. The Lord bless Alice and keep Alice. The Lord make his face shine upon Alice and be gracious to Alice. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon Alice and give Alice peace. God loves you, Alice, and God likes you. And um, how do we know? All throughout scriptures, he tells us that you are his workmanship. You, he knows every hair on your head. He stores up every tear in a bottle, Revelation tells us. His thoughts of you are like the sands of this earth. And I'm not trying to rewrite scripture here. I'm trying to apply the word to your life so you can understand it personally. You are loved, and you are liked by Him. Now some of you may be thinking, I'm in ministry, I've been a believer for a long time, I know that already. I know, I get it, I get it. And sometimes when we think of grace, we think that's just the entry point. But <clears throat> Scripture tells us that we need to continue 
or stand um, in grace or abide. Um, I'll kind of read to you, um, ex, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 13, Luke tells us this, Acts chapter 13, verse 43, it says, After the meeting of the synagogues broke up, many Jews and devoted converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they, Paul and Barnabas, spoke to them, the new converts, urged them to continue in the grace of God. Romans 5.2 tells us that we need to stand in the grace of God. So in the Greek, uh, to continue, it means to remain. Uh, to, 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 I like to say to abide. Um, with, with so many littles at our church, um, whether it's Makoa or... Um, uh, whether it's Augie um, or even uh, with uh, baby Kamada coming, it just always reminds me uh, when when David was little, and I miss those days. And I recall um, to kind of describe what abiding in his grace, um, when he was learning how to walk, um, he was struggling to do it. But I, what I would do is, I would set his left foot on my left foot and his right foot on my right foot and he would reach up and look up and he would basically we would walk together step by step by step. And to this day, I was kind of sharing him the story. He goes, Dad, I remember you were teaching me how to abide. I says, yeah, I was talking to myself, you know, because sometimes I just want to jet, but I need to stay step by step with the Lord. Um, so we need to stay. And understand um, in abiding that we can't nullify uh, his grace. Uh, Galatians 2.21 tells us that I do not nullify the grace of God. So I'll end with a story. Uh, so it kind of hits home as far as um, his grace. As I was sharing in the very beginning, I, I struggle a lot of giving grace to myself. And as part of you, a lot of you guys know, or most of you were involved, on the third week of August, we had a, um, an outreach uh, of, um, in downtown L.A., Nisei Week. Yeah, that was on a, a Friday and Saturday, or Saturday and a Sunday, sorry. And uh, for those that went, if you notice, I was not there. I actually felt really guilty for not going. So the reason behind that, so that you know, despite what rumors of the church may have or not, <laughs> word gets around, travels fast. Uh, I took a vacation that weekend, and I, and I was, I don't want to say forced, but um, I was obligated to take this because, as a lot of you know, I've, I've recently bought a, um, an RV in the, in the beginning of July. And within two months, I had to use this uh, promotional code is almost, if I'm honest with you, it's, it's basically a timeshare for RVs. That's basically what it is. And uh, if it was free, I got to use it. You know what I mean? So I took Friday off and uh, went over to Julian, heading over to Julian. That was the plan. And I felt super bad. And I told Garen, and Garen is so cool. He says, uh, no problems, man, no problems. So, but I'm still thinking, I'm still feeling guilty because I want to be part of setup. I want to be part of there. But the whole weekend, I'm thinking about this the whole time. 
So um, understanding the night before, this is Thursday night, I plugged in the RV, getting it prepped, getting fully charged, getting the, AC, getting the, 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 the refrigerator nice and cold. But there was a smell that was coming from the back, and it smelled like sulfur. And uh, I finally pinned it down, and I realized um, it was one of the batteries. So if you're familiar with RVs, there's basically three batteries. There's one for the engine, and there's two from the backseat on, okay? So it's one of the backseat on the, uh, uh, of, of the back. So I'm like, okay, I think God is telling me to cancel. That's what it is. God is probably telling me to cancel because I can't go. It smells, you know? So the stubborn part of me is I go online, I'm like, oh, you could actually go with two batteries instead of three. Let's do it. So I unplug one of the batteries, and I go, and it is all like, what are we going to do? I says, I don't know. And it is uh, David's cousin's in town from Arizona. We want to, you know, we're planning this. Let's just go. So we end up going, thought nothing of it. The smell is gone. We have one battery left. Running was great. We had a great time over in Julian. On our way back, picked up an apple pie. Everything's hunky-dory. Everyone's passed out. Long weekend on a Sunday. Um, leaving Julian, the, the RV goes, you know, literally pauses and then shifts back. Like the lights turned off and then turned back. I'm like, this is the afternoon. I'm like, what is going on? And, uh, it went back to drive and I kept going. I looked back. All right, we'll kept going. So continue to drive about another hour, heading, getting close on the five freeway down South Orange County near, um, James McCormick's. And it did it again. But this time, it stopped. So I desperately pulled over to the side and uh, trying to figure out what it is. Uh, even one of those highway people came over and checked the battery because you're, all batteries are dead. It says, you need a special tow. This thing is 12,000 pounds. So I called around and um, called my insurance, said if this is covered. And um, long story short, $2,000 later. I finally called a tow truck to have it towed. Because of COVID, they said it's only one person. So I sent the family off, the dog off, and the kids off. And they said it's going to be 90 to 120 minutes. I said, okay, cool. I'll get some time in. It's Sunday. You know, sign the five freeway. Bada bing, bada boom. Get some time with the Lord. So I started off strong. Almost felt like Job. And uh, everyone's gone. It's, it's getting closer. You know, it's getting kind of late. And uh, after 121 minutes, I started to get nervous. So I ended up calling him like, hey, it's been two hours. He said it's going to be at max two hours. What's going on? Oh, we're working on it. And can you give me a time frame? Click. I call again. What is going Click. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So now this two jumps into three hours, and my mind is just racing. I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm getting frustrated. And um, too bad the dog wasn't there. Otherwise, I would have kicked them, you know. <laughs> but I was getting so frustrated. And, and finally, it got to about four hours. And I was like, done. I was just saying, I'm just going to leave this RV. I'm just going to Uber home. I'm done. Then finally, a phone call came from the tow uh, place. And they said, hey, um, uh, I'm the, they dispatched me. We're coming from Orange. I should be there. I said, all right, great. I says, I, I got to tell you, there's some issues. You know, it's, it's an RV, and I know it's going to be a special type of tug because I'll be there in about 30 minutes. So four and, a half later, four and a half hours later, he pulls up, 
it looked like a normal tow truck. And I thought, how's that thing going to carry this 12,000-pound beast? And I even told him, I says, I'm, I was unable to adjust the shifter to neutral. So it was stuck in park. So I gave bad news after bad news. And in the past, I've had that before where people go, you know, tow truck says, peace out, man, unless you can't get it. But when Lewis ended up coming, um, I shared with him all the issues and problems I've been waiting. He goes, it doesn't matter. Let's get you home. I go, what? I go, let's get you home. He jumps underneath. He unplugs the cable and, and starts to go. His, his son is in the back. And uh, it's getting close to 730, 8 o'clock. And um, jumped on and we ended up taking off. And he was just doing his job, right? But I was thinking, like, this is God's unmerited favor that he's giving me. Um, and I, when he finally dropped it off, I and mean, I was fishing through my wallet, um, I didn't have a chance to go to the bank. I only had a few bucks here or there. And Nada even made him uh, uh, um, a little quesadilla for his son uh, type of thing. And I go, man, this is all I got. Because you know what? It's just the thought that counts. And um, I thought that was really gracious uh, of him. Now, I'm sharing you this story because in a practical sense, um, the way that I was perceiving it is that God really truly cared um, that uh, in, in that sense of, of his unmerited favor. It's obvious in the contents of grace that it's about God's grace, about ultimately our salvation. I know that, and we must abide in it. But if you think about the grace, it basically is the gospel. If you look at the acrostic of grace, it's simply God's riches at Christ's expense. That's how we ought to view his grace. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for all that you're doing, God, in each one of our lives individually and corporately as a church family. And uh, you put this in my heart, Father, to share to our church family just to let people know that we could abide, that we could um, understand just how awesome your grace is and we could just abide in it. Remind us, Father God, where we came back and how you've pulled us out of the mari clay and have redeemed us. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, as I close, I'm going to go old school since Johnny went old school uh, on Sunday. Um, I used to do verse memorizations when I used to do uh, the convalescent home. And I used the old King James Version. But this, it displays, this verse displays in how God feels about you and me. So bear my voice. Zephaniah 3. 17 says, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty, mighty. He will save, he will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love, he will joy over thee with singing. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty, mighty, mighty. A thought for you to take home. When God created Adam and Eve, he said that it was what? It was very good. When God redeemed you and me, the redemptive ones, he was singing. That's awesome. God's grace.
God bless you.